Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. This week, you've got myself, Colin, and I'm joined by Nick as we're talking about the opening weekend for The Rise of Skywalker, as well as Cats and Bombshell. Remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. So, breaking down this week's top five at the box office, we've got Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker in the first spot with $175.5 million, followed by Jumanji the next in its second week with $6 million, Frozen 2 in the number three spot with 12.3, followed by Cats opening up at $6.5 million, and Knives Out rounds out the top five at $6.125 million. So, it wasn't a very competitive week, but nobody really expected it to be uh, Star Wars is in the top spot, 175 billion, but it is pretty significantly below the opening weekends for the previous two films. So the previous two films both set the record for opening weekends. Um, so like in 2015, when Star Wars came out, Jurassic World, 200 and it did like 208 million dollars for its opening weekend domestically, and then the Force Weekends blew that out of the water with 247 which was the largest to that point. Last Jedi took the number two spot two years ago, 220 million. Uh, but Last Jedi is about 45 million below that and is really significant of just all the crazy stuff we've been through with Star Wars the past couple of years. Yeah, it's it's just, it really just kind of shows kind of like the slowly waning interest of just Star Wars in general. Um, it was really funny, and I'm sure we'll talk about the film at length here in a second, but... I was just walking out of Rise of Skywalker. I was just, I didn't really get what this new Disney trilogy was about. And I feel like that sentiment was felt by a lot of people because I don't know, people just didn't really seem to connect to this movie. I mean, I'm sure you go on Twitter afterwards and people were freaking out about it either way, whether they liked it or didn't. Um, it feels definitely like it's, even with all the hate towards The Last Jedi, with most of it kind of not being reason, reasonable at all, it feels like uh, Rise of Skywalker is probably the least favorite of the three um so yeah it's just we're probably this is definitely going to be the worst performing movie of the three wouldn't you say yeah and i mean even looking at it worldwide so opening weekend worldwide force awakens did 529 million dollars almost and then last jedi did 450 million dollars and this is 75 million below that at 374 for the opening weekend and yeah i just even people that loathe The Last Jedi haven't really <laughs> grasped onto this movie just a ton. I mean, you do have some holdouts that don't know what good movies are, but overall, like, this has been pretty underwhelming and disappointing. Like, I think even worse than Solo. Yeah, and I think it's Disney. Um, well, we'll get where they've they faltered because they definitely have, a, there's a lot to blame there, but I think they're smart and kind of taking a second to recalibrate and maybe put the feature films on hold for a little bit and kind of figure out what they want to do moving forward. Um, seems like everyone likes the Mandalorian. That's something I definitely need to catch up with at some point. And everyone seems happy with that there. Um, but just, it just really shows with the rise of Skywalker, how just little of a plan they had going into all of this. Um, we have these three films, we have rogue one and solo. Um, it's weird. I mean, I, I know both of us really like the last Jedi and the force awakens is good for what it was as a soft reboot, but I, I can't really say anyone has really fallen in love with any of these movies totally. Um, I mean, there's been so much talk about Kathleen Kennedy and just kind of like the brain trust at Disney and now Kevin Feige coming over to help out uh, in any way he can. Like, I just, there hasn't been a really, there hasn't been a unified vision at all with any of these movies. And I feel like the rise of Skywalker is the one where it's just been the most obvious (laughs) where they kind of panicked after the last Jedi came out and it's, I think it's, this is very clearly, they just kind of went to JJ Abrams with like a big bag of cash and said, please like help us out and kind of maybe land this plane somehow. And he was like, all right, sure. So he had to go quickly round up a screenplay with Chris Terrio, uh, who's worked on such great films as justice league and uh, Batman V Superman. Um, so yeah, this just kind of feels like a rush job and they wanted to just, kind of put a bow on it any way they could. It's definitely not a pretty bow. Um, but yeah, it's just, this just really feels like it's kind of uh, Disney really dropping the ball big time. Yeah. And I think 
this movie was really rushed just time-wise. So initially this movie was supposed to have released this May um, under Colin Trevorrow, and then he was fired about a month before The Last Jedi released. And so they were already short on time because this was, you know, six months less production time than the first one had at the episode seven and then even episode eight had. And then when JJ came in, they basically had to start from scratch again, but they were already in the process of things. So they had an even smaller amount of time to rewrite, uh, write it as well as they could. And then, and then get into moving into the story. Um, and I think you definitely see that just like how hobbled together this thing is like, it's, <laughs> it's a Frankenstein of a movie. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, there's just there's always those reports that break on the Friday of when a movie comes out and it had dealt with a lot of production issues. But it seemed like it seems like J.J. and Chris Terrio were kind of writing on the spot <laughs> with this movie on set and kind of coming up with new ways to stage sh- scenes and kind of just, as you mentioned, kind of working with whatever uh, set pieces they had and what planets and places they had under like the under the Trevorrow script. Um, but yeah, it is. It is a mess. It is. I mean, I, I don't really love speaking on a hyperbole, but I, f- I feel like it's one of the worst uh, blockbuster scripts of, of this decade. Like it's it's really, really bad. And I feel like a lot of the love for it just comes from people's general love for Star Wars because just scenes don't make sense. Um, I feel like we'll, we'll probably leave spoilers here to a minimum because I feel like definitely Brennan will want to kind of jump in and we'll probably want to dissect this fully in some kind of spoiler pod coming up. But there's just scenes where people just disappear it's like oh just kidding they're back and <laughs> there's MacGuffins that lead to other MacGuffins. um just total rewrites just feel really bad and just really don't do service to ryan johnson whatsoever and maybe even even the force awakens as well it just this just really it like it, going back to what we were talking about earlier it really feels like jj and chris terrio they were kind of just handed something that was kind of doomed from the start considering all the production issues and you have to meet the date. And there was, I don't know. It seems like moving this movie back to 2020 would have been sensible, but no, you have to meet this date because Disney planted their flag and there's just so many other things. And yeah, it's just, it's just really rough. I feel like there's so much hate going on for JJ and I don't really necessarily blame him for this one. Um, This, this just really just feels like a failure all around. And just, it seems like all the actors just kind of over with star Wars. Um, There's really interesting um, interview with John Boyega uh, sometime during this press run where they uh, a interviewer interviewer asked him if he wanted to return as Finn at some point and he basically said I ain't getting Disney plus <laughs> which is really funny <laughs> uh, so like yeah it just seems like this was just kind of a movie that everyone had to kind of fulfill their contractual obligations and no one really wanted no one went the extra mile with it I should say it's just, it's just, it's just, it's incredibly messy and it really bothers me. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note that this was supposed to have begun filming in January, 2018. It didn't start filming until last August, um, which is just completely insane because something like Star Wars normally takes like 90 to hundred days to film. And then you have reshoots and VFX on top of that. And there were reportedly some pretty extensive reshoots with this movie. And so just from a production standpoint, regardless of, and, you know, what your thoughts are on the movie like this is just a disaster in the making. Yeah. And I guess is this is this your least favorite Disney Star Wars movie? Because I think it is for me. Uh, this is my least favorite Star Wars movie. Just <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, like it, it. I really struggled with that um, just because I know the like I'm aware of what the prequels are. But even with something like The Phantom Menace, where it's just a complete mess of execution like you can at least see what george lucas was trying to get at and some of that substance is at least there it's just not put together well i mean they're very dialogue heavy movies but lucas doesn't know how to write dialogue um but the thought is still there and then this movie my gut reaction was just this is nonsense like there wasn't any thought put into any of these characters and who they were or where they were going wasn't any thought really put into the plot other than how many like MacGuffin objects can we shove into a movie and I, I just loathe this movie from the minute I read the dead speak to the minute the credits started rolling <laughs> yeah it's uh I I, I really struggle with it too because I actually updated my rankings of the Star Wars movies up on the site which you can look at now but I had this movie if we're not going to consider um the holiday special and Battle of Endor and all those little weird little nuggets that are out there um but out of the 11 like 
official canon movies. I had this 10th. Um, so I'm kind of on the same way, wavelength as you. I think this movie is really bad. Um, for some reason, I don't, it's tough because I was really bitter at this movie in the moment. All the, I think all of the um, fan service in here is just, it was just unbelievably nauseating. Um, I think I think I sent out a, a tweet after I saw the movie where I said, I think I said, fuck you to the last shot in the theater. Uh, it is just, just really bad pandering on all facets. But yeah, like you said, like some of the prequels, like, yeah, they, they are not as slick. Uh, these Disney movies look great and the acting is far superior, but there are genuine ideas in there that I think a lot of just hardcore Star Wars fans have really glommed onto. I think in theory, a lot of the political stuff that George Lucas was doing, um, it works really nicely and I think could be really epic. I mean, obviously we don't read, don't need to relitigate the, how bad the prequels are in some points and all the talk of sand and how all that doesn't work. Um, I think attack of the clones is probably my least favorite Star Wars movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it is so, so messy and things just don't make sense. Um, I really think a lot of like people who like this movie, um, and you can like this movie if you want. It's totally fine with me. I don't really care. Live your life. Um, but a lot of it, I think, really does fall back on how good these movies look and how easy it is to trick people with good production design and just decent acting at this point. Because this script is just really horrible. And things. it's just the, the pacing is all over the place. I, I don't think there's a second in this movie that you can breathe. They're just bringing new things up and destroying past lore and just writing itself into a hole and getting it out of a hole with plot conveniences. Um, yeah, it's really rough. And I guess my last thought here is I just, I just don't know how the force works <laughs> after 11 of these movies. <laughs> it feels like um, we're just bringing, adding new ideas to it to kind of look cool or either just kind of write ourselves just out of a corner. Um, I just, I don't really understand kind of what the rules of the Star Wars universe are. And honestly, I don't even understand what, what Ray was supposed to be as a character. Um, I just don't really, I kind of felt nothing, no satisfaction leaving this trilogy. And it's, it's really a bummer. Yeah. I don't think this movie had any real clear understanding of any of its characters. And I mean, especially like Finn, um, who's probably had the, the most constant grand arc going throughout these movies, um, you know, starting off as a stormtrooper and, and growing into somebody who's not just fighting for Ray because he, he's into her, but somebody who's fighting for a cause and, and the rebellion in general. And then, then in this movie, he just kind of shouts things. And there's one scene where he tells Ray he really needed to tell her something. She asks him what, like two minutes later, and he never comes back to it ever again for the rest of the movie. And that's just a pretty good summation of what the characters do in this movie. Like Ray has been accused of being a Mary Sue in the first two movies. I think that's absolute baloney, especially compared to Luke and Anakin. But then in this movie, I think, unfortunately, that's really true. Uh, we see her literally do things with the force that have never been done in any of these other movies. And yet she's complaining about how she's not strong enough or ready enough, but she's literally kicking every other Jedi and sits ass just with how much force she can use. And it's just, it ties back into that fan service. And you look at all these new side characters in the movie and even some of the returning characters like Lando, who just is kind of there just to be Lando. And then the only thing he really does, you don't even see on screen when he rallies people to the cause. Um, he supposedly has a daughter, which JJ's kind of already been on the explanation tour with this movie, which we could touch on in a little bit. Um, but it just, none of these characters have any real meaning and you have like all these new characters like uh, Carrie Russell's character who is just like Poe but in a mask and then I can't even remember <laughs> the character of this girl who's just Finn but a woman um, and that's just all this movie is filled with <laughs> yeah it's yeah I I wonder how many days Carrie Russell was on set because um, I guess we'll go into minor spoilers here and then I guess we'll, so we'll alert everyone listening just in case they haven't seen the movie, but I mean, you've seen this movie uh, cause everyone has, um, but like, I wonder, cause it's just like, she's Carrie Russell's character is just like, you see her eyes in one scene. Um, and then she just kind of is in the full suit. And I wonder if they just got a body double and then Carrie Russell just is just making bank, <laughs> just like giving her voice to this role. Um, but yeah, just the, the idea of like bringing Palpatine back, at all, I just feel like it's just such a bad and just pandering move um, just to bring him back as he's not just kidding. He was the author of all this pain. It's like a weird specter thing that we saw with James Bond. Where it's like, oh, just kidding. I've been in behind all this all along. And, and now I'm going to raise the Sith again. And it just feels so like 
unnecessary and forced and it just kind of breaks i thought it really broke down everything that the, t- the last two movies had set up if anything it's just and just ray just her kind of lineage thing it's just oh, I, hate, <laughs> I don't like a single choice this movie makes whatsoever yeah like ray's whole arc in last jedi was that her ancestry like her lineage didn't really matter right she was her own person and and she could have a say in her destiny and then this movie is like nope you're only significant because some old guy had a grandkid and that's you and yeah it's just it really does not understand its characters and just tries to throw in these little fan service moments like even um answering where snoke came from was one of the big complaints that last jedi haters had they're like oh well now we we don't know his origin which doesn't really matter because the story is not about him. But this movie is like, oh, well, I created him, and then that's it. So it, it doesn't really give you an answer. It gives you a brief explanation, but then stupid people are like, oh, yeah, now this makes sense because now our favorite character, Palpatine, <laughs> was in charge the whole time. Hell yeah, Star Wars. And that's just all this movie is. <laughs> it's really true. This movie moves so fast. It's kind of – in a way, it's kind of smart – and how it's not being smart because things move so fast that you're before you can question something, it's thro- the movie's throwing 15 more things at you. So if you're one of those people that is like, like you have your people, like a movie might just like wash over you or something like that. You don't really quite f- get into the nitty gritty of it. Then you might think this movie's okay. Cause there's a lot of just, there's just a lot of crap thrown at you. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's just really, really tough. And it really bothers me how much this movie, as you mentioned before, really kind of, just kind of cuts the, really slashes the the knees of uh, Ryan Johnson in the last Jedi. Cause I just really love how that movie ended where it really made the force kind of like an egalitarian, an egalitarian type of thing where you, anyone can have it and it doesn't really matter where you come from. Like we mentioned before, but yeah, <laughs> we're just kind of spinning in circles in this point. And just kidding. It's um, Ray is really important because she comes from, Palpatine or whatever and I, whatever the, now the force only matters to a select few which just feels really fake and kind of just goes against everything that these movies were going towards and it's it's really frustrating and and I think a really good example of how much this movie just kind of just disbanded a lot what was coming before it was in and it was in the character of Rose who's just kind of there uh, <laughs> like Finn just kind of pats her on the back and says, nah, you stay here. We'll go on the journey. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and she's just there um, in the jungle with the rest of the resistance. Uh, it's it's really bad because she was built up to be this sort of important character to Finn. And now we have brought in, yeah, like you said, I don't remember what the uh, other woman was who was supposed to be woman Finn. I, I can't remember her name at all. And so she's kind of been, she's kind of replacing Rose in that respect. It's just, it's, it it rings really false. It's really terrible to me. And I mean, that's people complain about the last Jedi, you know, kind of stepping on the force awakens toes, which if you actually watch the movie with your brain on, you can see that it's not, it's just not doing what you expected. Whereas this movie is like actively going back and just stepping on what the last Jedi and even what the force awakens did, which is why I don't fully blame JJ for this. Cause I really don't think, his intention was to trample on what he set up originally too, um, which is, I think Disney meddled in this movie quite a bit just after the last Jedi kind of uh, <laughs> tension around that. And then with solo bombing pretty hard, I think they were scared and really just forced their hands in here a lot and made this literally the worst star Wars movie. Yeah. It's, this is really just a panic job by Disney. They, they really, they got nervous after the last Jedi, which performed pretty well like it still made 1.6 billion but obviously that was definitely down from what the force awakens made and then there was a bunch of controversy and ron tomato scores and all that stuff that just makes it very tiring but yeah it just like we mentioned like they just kind of threw this at jj i was like please do something and he was like okay fine um but yeah i think we're at the place now where i i'm kind of just kind of done with star wars for the time being like i really hope that they kind of take a break from making feature films for like a decade at the very least because we know that they're never going to stop they're not going to stop after this one and be like oh you know what yeah we're done we're just going to focus on merchandising and park stuff like they're going to make more star wars movies until both of us are off this earth (laughs) and way and way beyond it but i they need to take a break because i'm very done with what this is i can't i'm very annoyed i can't stand (laughs) the fan service it's just 
it's just far too much. And it, these movies, they kind of just they stopped being movies after a second, and then they're just kind of trying to service a crowd that um, it's just. It's just frustrating. There's nothing. There's literally nothing in this film. It, it's really, it's really annoying. Yeah, and I think it's nice that we'll get a breather for a little bit. So there's not a new Star Wars movie scheduled till 2022, um, which which means we have two years that are completely Star Wars movie free. Uh, which means that this upcoming movie really has three years of genuine development time, which will be nice. And yeah, we're getting a little bit of Disney con- Disney Plus content, but I think they're really pulling back and. I think with Kathleen Kennedy stepping down um, here within the next, uh, I think, year or so, it'll really help reshape the franchise and and really make it what it was. Honestly, when George Lucas had it, it was just something that was much more contained and, and put together with a, a clear singular vision. Even if that vision is bad, at least it's consistent. I think that's one thing that people don't really seem to understand about this movie is um, and I'm going to talk about the last Jedi again, but they they treat it like, oh, well, Ryan Johnson came in and ruined JJ's franchise. But this was never supposed to be something that JJ Abrams was returning to. Um, like this was going to Colin Trevorrow from Jurassic World, and then it ended up they offered it to Ryan Johnson. He said no, and then uh, Bob Iger really liked JJ, so they gave it back to JJ, and he kind of got stuck with the bill. So I I feel for him, although I I don't. I don't think he's free from responsibility, but I don't think he should bear the full brunt of it. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's he made millions of dollars off this movie. Like you can, he's fine. He can take it. He'll be okay. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. It's I, it's really interesting because yeah, you say that that next Star Wars movie is in twenty two in twenty twenty two, and I don't really know what that's going to be because I feel like it's for a long time it was going to be Ryan Johnson directed his trilogy, then Benioff and Weiss were supposed to do things, and then they left. So like I don't. We might even see that that um, slate change. I have no idea. So, but yeah, I think it's it is it's very imperative for Disney just to take a break here because I feel like um, we're we're getting <laughs> I'm getting overheated about this movie and, and like I'm just like done with Star Wars at this point. Like it's just kind of a, a nuisance more than anything I really care about. But like they just we all need to just relax and take a breather and maybe that's not such a bad thing. We we just maybe not chase the profits for a second. You might reap benefits down the road. Yeah. And yeah, this movie was just as a lifelong star Wars fan was just disappointing. Like this movie was just absolutely depressing. And I know I'm going to be yeah, on it's a more of the extreme side. <laughs> I'm going to be on more of the extreme side of hating it just because I think it's a total garbage fire of a movie. Um, I, talked about how I would have rather seen the documentary about Jar Jar going to the proctologist than watch this movie. Um, Cause at least it would have been something consistent with a purpose. Um, and I, I can understand if people like this movie. I mean, there were, there were some, a few decent parts of it. Um, but overall it's not a good movie. If you say it's a good movie, you're lying to yourself. So <laughs> yeah, there's just a couple, there's a couple good scenes that don't really make sense outside of just in that scene itself. Like that's really all it comes down to. It's like it really feels like I, I heard someone say it feels like like twelve movies in one, and it really does because it's just moving all over the place and there's action and there's excitement in quotation marks. It's just flying all over the place, but it doesn't really amount to anything. So yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a lot and it's really frustrating. But whatever, I, I don't I don't I know. This movie, <laughs> I think this movie has one and a half like genuinely emotional scenes and. So I'm going to talk about Chewbacca because he I think he was in the best and the worst example of what this movie has to offer. So on the worst side, he has a fake death that's really obvious and is revealed as a fake death literally within two minutes and has no emotional context with the characters. But when a character actually dies later in the movie, um, Chewie is the only one that gets like a a moment of breathing room in the movie. And you actually see him get like kind of pissed and ragey and and depressed and like the Wookiee is the only character that really shows any emotion in this movie um and so I I do appreciate that moment they gave him but it's kind of sad that he was the best actor in a movie filled with talented actors yeah it's 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 really rough and even like the Chewbacca scene where it's like oh just kidding he was in a different chariot sport he's fine don't worry about it like it's just it's this movie's constantly rewriting other movies and rewriting itself. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's a mess. It really is a mess that I don't really know who this satisfies, but uh, I don't know. Someone out there likes it. It made 
a good amount of money, even though it's down from the last movies. So I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm. I'm interested. To, yeah, I'm interested to see if this actually crosses a billion. Um, just because I'm not sure how the legs will go. Um, oh, I think it I mean, will. We're seeing it start off slower, but I'm. I'm just curious to see what its legs are like. I think it'll squeak past a billion. I think that's definitely going to happen. But yeah, it's going to be like Jedi was 1.6. Like it's not going to get anywhere near that. Like I would say at maximum 1.1 billion. And that's, I think that's me being generous, but I feel like it'll definitely, it'll probably squeak by and and it'll, or Disney will try to keep it in theaters as long as possible. So it gets there. They'll, they'll figure out a way to gain the system. Avengers and games opening weekend gross will probably eclipse this movie, which is just wild. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's very possible. Um, yeah, so I think that's enough Star Wars until we inevitably get into an all Star Wars uh, pod just breaking this movie apart. Uh, yeah, it's uh, going to happen. But... <laughs> I'm embracing myself for it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about a much better movie, uh, which is Jumanji The Next Level, uh, which pulled in $26 million this weekend, which is about a 55% drop. But considering Star Wars opened up against it, uh, that's not really anything to shake a stick out right now sitting at about 313 million dollars worldwide and if it's anything like its predecessor it's going to have pretty strong legs especially here in the next week with christmas and new year's coming up yeah this is right where um uh, jumanji welcome to the jungle really hit its stride and and i think it just killed like even into january as well um so we'll see where it goes from here but yeah i don't think this is going to get to that 900 million mark like the like the last jumanji did i think that was kind of like a weird zeitgeisty thing that i don't think it can be replicated um but like this movie made, was cost 125 million uh, sony was really smart with keeping this budget pretty reasonable um so it's probably already made its budget back or and then some when you factor in uh, marketing and promotional costs so yeah it's it's doing really solidly and it's just a really fun s- silly stupid movie you get to see the rock do a danny devito impersonation which isn't very good but it's so really funny because he's trying um and then kevin hart just do being danny glover it's just really fun and i think that's going to work really well over the holidays and i mean i would like to call aquafina's danny devito impersonation as well it's just great oh it's and one of the, it's, the best it's parts definitely for the me. Better one. <laughs> it's definitely the better impersonation of the movie just the fact that the rock is trying to do something is i think i feel like is just makes it really goofy and fun but yeah if like aquafina is just like pitch perfect in this movie it's hilarious yeah and i mean this movie is really self-aware of what it is and why you're coming to see it and it doesn't really dwell on anything else it gives you just that and that's why like that's why the first, I guess the second Jumanji uh, really blew me away two years ago. And this one, I was like, all right, I'm in. And I can't wait to see what they do with it next. Yeah, it's these these movies are very much four-quadrant movies. They're trying to appeal to everybody. And it's kind of weird because they're one of the few to actually pull it off where everyone kind of goes into these and sees them. And they're like, oh, yeah, that was fun. And they move on with their lives. You know, like everyone... Just is like, oh, yeah, that was a perfectly fine time at the movies, which is very funny with likable actors that are really fun. So, yeah, it's, that's just kind of all it is, and that's all it ever aspires to be. And sometimes you just kind of need those kind of movies. They're a nice breath of fresh air sometimes. Especially from something so, like Star Wars. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially in the week we've had this week. <laughs> it's It's nice to have something reliable there. Yeah, we'll get to cats in a second. I have many thoughts. <laughs> uh, but before we get to cats, we'll touch in on Frozen 2, which I don't know if we have a ton to say on. It's it's already crossed a billion, uh, still moving pretty strong. It's going to kill the next two days, uh, next three days, really, um, and the rest of the week just with the holidays coming up. Yeah, I think the only thing to look for here, because it's already a crazy good success, but it's just a matter of if, it, if it'll pass the first Frozen or not, or not which made... A little under 1.3 billion worldwide, and this is a little over 1.1. Um, if I had to bet on this, I would say it probably passes that number, um, just with the holidays coming up. But yeah, it's just Frozen's just doing really well, and even when Disney like sort of loses with Star Wars, they're still winning. So just for everyone to keep in perspective. And with that, and a quick deep breath, we will move on to Cats, <laughs> which uh, this movie is. It's been like 
captivating film Twitter for the past year. Um, and it finally released this weekend to $6 million and some change domestically, sitting at about 10.7 worldwide. Um, and that's on a $95 million budget. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I can't even talk about this movie. Um, <laughs> Cats is just been a flop in every sense of the word i mean critically it, it's been panned but not hated everyone who's seen it really seems to take something out of it um even though it's just one of the worst train wrecks they've ever seen uh this is i mean it's a train wreck you cannot look away um cats is here and it needs your attention this movie is incredible and just in all the wrong ways it is one of the most stupendous just misfires from a big studio we've probably seen this decade um so just the first so the first scene we open to like a starry night and one of the clouds is a cat which leaves out it has a little meow sound um in it so uh that's the first scene of the movie so immediately you're like okay i'm turned off to this (laughs) and then we pan down and we go into a really digi horribly shot alley and there's just really bizarre cats that you've seen in the trailers that are horribly rendered by CGI. And we'll get to in a second there. Um, and it's just really bad. Synthy um, kind of like eight trying to be like weird cocaine fueled eighties music. Um, and it just really flops hard. And that, I think that was the second that my jaw dropped and it, it, it did not close <laughs> until this movie was over. Cause it is one of the most incredible things to feast your eyes on. It is just terrible. All the way around, the music is atrocious. It is off-putting to look at it every single time, every single second. And it is just, it is, like you said, it is a train wreck, the slowest train wreck you could ever feast your eyes on. It is, oh my gosh, I'm in a loss for words. It's unsettling, hilarious at times, and also times just incredibly boring and not fun at all. Um, It is... It's I am a new man after seeing cats. It is one of the most bizarre things. <laughs> um, and unlike Star Wars this weekend, cats actually did something pretty unprecedented and basically released a patch to fix some broken and non-functioning visual effects of the movie, which is just insane that I mean, they did it literally after two days of release. They sent out thousands of replacement copies, basically. Um, and when you get, uh, movies they're not on film reels anymore unless you're tarantino but they're these little uh basically canisters that <laughs> have the movie stored on them like a hard drive and they literally sent out thousands of replacement hard drives to fix this movie this weekend which is just bizarre and wild yeah, and honestly that wasn't going to fix your problems here because this movie is atrocious but everyone it's so funny because everyone's talking about like how poor the cgi looks and everything like that and it really does it looks awful because there's one scene where Jennifer Hudson's really, she's just giving her all trying to sing memories, which is like the one famous song out of cats. And she's giving it her all. And she's really trying. And she's like doing that one thing where actors do when they cry and they start to like their, their nose start, their snot starts to come out. And the fact that we have Jennifer Hudson, um, who is like snot crying. And then she has like CGI fur that, that, that the snot is rolling through is just kind of, it's just unbelievable nightmare fuel. <laughs> it just ruins like the one possible moment in this movie that could have been like, maybe like a decent emotional beat. Um, it's insane, but even people, yeah, people were mentioning all weekend how like arms weren't rendered. Uh, Judy Dench's arm just like doesn't exist in one scene or maybe it's another character. I can't remember. And apparently there's another scene where there's just a, a crew member in a hoodie in the background. And I feel like I was just so astonished by how terrible this movie was. That I didn't notice any of this. <laughs> I, I was just so amazed and like how terrible, like all, all this is where it's some like the periphery stuff. I just like, I just did not notice whatsoever because it is, it is so terrible. I can't, it's one of those things that I can't describe. And it, it's a move. It's a definitely a theatrical experience that I will never forget. Cause I think the entire audience, the entire audience I saw it with was silent the entire time. Cause I don't, I don't think anyone in the audience knew what to do with this. Like it is just, it is balls to the walls insanity. Um, I like, it's really just, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I've seen people are already trying to start a movement for this to just kind of have staggering success like The Greatest Showman. So when that released <laughs> that two years ago, <laughs> when that released two years ago, it debuted at around $8 million worldwide, but it ended up at $435 million uh, by the time it finished its run, just because the word of mouth was ridiculously phenomenal with it. Um, but I, I don't see that with cats. <laughs> Uh, most people that I know that have seen it are like, I'm glad I went because it was an experience, but that movie is, it, it, it's hard to describe. <laughs> <laughs> I see that the one possible future I see for this movie is that we watch it at midnight screenings in like a decade or so, and we get to laugh at it and maybe, I don't know, maybe we throw spoons at the, at the screen when there's like a really bad, like rendered CGI moment in it or something like that that's like the only thing i see for this because it the only way you should see this is if you're incredibly drunk and i'm really disappointed that i wasn't when i saw this movie i tried to be a really good upstanding critic and look at this movie through whatever critical eye i have and then five seconds in i was like oh i should have had like 10 drinks before i got into this theater (laughs) because it's just like you can't like review it like there's just nothing to it it's just cats taking take turns singing who they are and what they do and then the movie's over. That's it. <laughs> There's no plot. <laughs> There's just Idris Elba is there. Um, he poofs out of scenes with magic. He, he yells ineffable, ineffable, whatever. I don't know how you say that word, but whatever. He says that and then he disappears and that's it. And then Ray Winstone is there from Ray Winstone of Sexy Beast Departed and all these other big time movies is like a thug. He's just there as a cat. Um, Rebel Wilson unzips her fur at one point uh, to, to show more fur which is just like the most incredible thing. Like it's very, it's equal parts. Like what am I watching? And also unsettling that I, I can't like understand what's happening there. And at one point there's dancing cockroaches that are also humanoid people who there were just people that they danced and just made them into cockroaches. It's just the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, this movie is a clusterfuck. It is, <laughs> it is, <laughs> I can't, I want to recommend it to people, but I also want them to run for the hills. I don't, I don't really know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. I am weirdly fascinated by it. So I I know I'll get to it (laughs) Uh, just because I don't want to miss out on the insanity. Honestly, it's better if you just take in the memes on Twitter. It's like, that's really like the best place where this movie like lives. It is, it is so bizarre. And, I mean, if we're just going to even talk about the movie like itself behind all the weirdness, which is really hard to get past, but the music just isn't very good. Um, and Tom Hooper, I think, really directs this movie horribly. Everything just looks terrible. Like we're in just in like a dingy alleyway some points or just a really ugly looking CGI city or like I feel really bad for the lead cat in this. Who's uh, her name's Francesca Hayward. And she's just a really like, she's a world renowned ballet dancer. And you can kind of, kind of tell at times where she's just really incredible at dancing, but Tom Hooper just doesn't know how, how to hell to shoot her. Like he either points the camera right at her face and you just like, can't see what she's doing. Or like, she's just like, he zooms out to like 60,000 feet away. So she's only like a weird, like tiny little blip. And amidst like a bunch of other really scary CGI cats, um, this movie's just all over the place. Like, even like just getting past all the weirdness of it, it just fails in every level. It is, it is truly a, a disaster piece in every sense of the word. I can't wait. <laughs> Please and... do yourself a favor. Please drink yourself under the table before you see it. That's just the best way to do it. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. I don't, I, I can't. <laughs> Um, and so moving on, we'll round out the top five with Knives <laughs> Out, which was sitting at uh, $6.125 million this weekend, had another 33% drop, and has just been doing phenomenally. Uh, it's getting pretty close to $200 million worldwide, which this coming week with uh, Christmas and New Year's is going to help it push past that. Yeah, it's this movie is definitely going to benefit really nice nicely from the holidays uh, we're definitely going to see it go over 200 million um i don't know how quite how high i'll get from there i think it'll definitely get past 100 million here in the u.s but yeah just good good job on ryan johnson he's he's winning 
when even when Star Wars isn't quite, he's coming out as a big time winner uh, with his next movie. So uh, yeah, it just nothing really much to add here. It's just Knives Out just continues to be great and successful. So good for them. Um, they actually did do something also kind of unprecedented this week, and they released an official in theater commentary. So you can oh, download it on your cool. phone and get a director's commentary while you're watching the movie. So that's like that's a very Ryan Johnson thing to do, but I also think that's very really cool. And I'm definitely going to go see it again with that. But yeah, that's a cool little note. Uh, good, good for him. I love Ryan Johnson. He's a cool, good. He's a cool dude. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he closed out the decade with three critically commercially successful movies um, that were each genre defining, and Knives Out's just the latest. And so that wraps up the top five, but we did have some new releases that uh, didn't quite make it. So the first one is Bombshell, which is actually number six at the box office this week, which expanded. Um, so it was just in four theaters last week, expanded to about 14, almost 1500 this week um, and pulled in just a little bit over 5 million. Um, so it's not off to just a phenomenal start. We're kind of seeing it perform like Richard Jewell did last week, even though it's uh, targeted at a very different audience. Um, I, I think this movie, I'm just kind of indifferent on it. Like it was okay. Um, I think it was slightly more good than it was bad, but it's just, it's a very odd movie. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm almost exactly the same as you here. It's, it's definitely a very mixed bag where um the director Jay Roach. He did Austin Powers years ago, and he's been doing other politically inclined movies ever since. Like he's done a bunch for HBO. He did the campaign um, with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. So um, weirdly, this kind of movie kind of fits his interests at the very least. But yeah, this movie's at first is breaking the fourth wall and trying to be kind of the big short kind of style, and it's the same screenwriter, so that makes sense. Um, there's actually one really cool special effect that this movie does where it kind of burns the Fox news logo into the, into the screen, which I thought that was a really cool little trick there. But yeah, then it's, then it gets very serious and just, you really feel the weight of that for a hot second. And then it just, it kind of fizzles out. It feels like when the movie's ending, like it feels like, like the third act was supposed to be starting. Like the, the Murdochs just show up and they're obviously important kind of slightly like, People have opinions on them and <laughs> they just show up and then the movie's over. Um, very strange. I don't, I feel like this movie doesn't really serve any kind of audience because it's trying to do so many different things and it doesn't do any of them very, very well. Um, it's very, I, except from Charlize Theron looking just like astonishingly close to Megan Kelly, um, which is just like very haunting and how good she is there. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to make of this thing. Yeah, and it feels, like really inconsistent with its characters. So Megan Kelly is the character you spend the most time with. Um, but the main character, the one who the story is kind of supposed to be about is Margot Robbie's character who's called Kayla. Um, and she's just like an amalgam of some real life people that didn't want their names out, I guess. Um, and she like makes all the decisions, but she's not really part of the action. And so that comes off really weird. And then for a movie that's about um, you know, sexual assault and uh, manipulation of the workplace, just kind of on Roger Ailes' uh, part. This movie is really kind of sex and mature averse. Like it, it kind of steers as far away from those things as it can, uh, which when you're really getting into a, a very deep and kind of unpleasant uh, subject like this one is, I think you really have to go more into that R-rated territory rather than steering clear from it. Yeah, it's trying – like the first act is all about kind of Megyn Kelly's war on Trump when he had the uh, the period joke on TV and things like that. Then he then she kind of confronted him at the uh, Republic, uh, Republican National Convention. Um, but then after that, like the movie takes a sharp left turn into other things. That's when Margot Robbie's Kayla gets more involved um, and we kind of see – uh, Nicole Kidman just kind of doing things as uh, Gretchen Carlson. Um, so, yeah, this – this feels like a first draft where you want to get as much on the much in the screenplay as possible. But then after that, you kind of like chip away at the things that are important and get rid of the other things. Um, and yeah, so I don't really, I didn't really feel anything to this movie. It's, it's definitely, it's incredibly well-intentioned obviously because it's dealing with sexual assault in the workplace and that's obviously really important. Um, but it just, it's just like 
it also it's, at points it just wants to be like a fun like hey look at this actor who looks kind of like Rudy Giuliani type of thing like it wants to be a who's who of like oh look at all these crazy things we can do um, but then yeah it just it never quite gets to like the root of this issue and I I left wanting more um, and not in a good way it's it's pretty frustrating and there's one shot um, in particular that is like. <laughs> cats level bad cgi and that's the actor <laughs> that they used to <laughs> make bill o'reilly um just has terrifying eyes in that scene because they, they kind of intercut between actual documentary footage of some of these real life people like roger ailes and like bill o'reilly uh, but then for most of the story they're played by an actual actor and they use cgi to make this guy look more like bill o'reilly and his eyes have haunted my nightmares for the past <laughs> two days um <laughs> But so is John Lithgow. Um, I really enjoyed him in this movie. Um, I, I, you know, I've enjoyed him in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Um, but I don't see him really take like a truly demented and evil kind of turn. And he really does that in this movie a lot. Yeah, he's definitely – a lot of the work he does is just really nasty and really affecting. And I think if this movie would have focused a little more on that, it would have been really effective. Because there's one scene between him and Margot Robbie, which is just – unbelievably affecting and really rough to sit through. And it just really kind of gets at what this movie is ultimately trying to do. Um, and Margot Robbie is just, just really acting tremendously in that scene as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really tough because there's definitely some good work in here. And I, Charlize Theron is just incredible as Megan Kelly. Like she has the voice and she looks just so much like her. It is really scary to me. And then Nicole Kidman is just doing really good stuff when she's given the screen time. Um, even, um, um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's really tough. I just don't quite get what this movie was going for. It's, it's ultimately, I, I left and I put my hands up. I was like, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to do here. Yeah. And I do want to call attention to Kate McKinnon in this movie. Cause I think she did a really good job um, as well. Just kind of being a foil for Margaret Robbie's character and just showing a little bit more of her dramatic chops. So she is kind of the comedic relief in this movie. Um, but she does have some solid drama that she adds to it as well. Yeah, I think, and that's one of the really good parts of this movie that I like. And I think this is, I think Kate McKinnon's just been flat out bad in every like dramatic movie she's tried to, to be in. But I think she works really nicely in this because she works as sort of how kind of just toxic the me uh, media industry can be where she, her character got a job in Fox News because she applied everywhere else. And this is the only place she wanted, to, she got a job and she's a Democrat and now that she works at Fox News, she's kind of stuck and she can't really go anywhere. And I think there's something really interesting to dive into there. But the movie doesn't quite do much with it. It kind of – this movie mentions a lot of things and expects you to think that that's really, like, profound and ha and holds a lot of weight. But it never really kind of dives in and really picks at anything, uh, which, yeah, it's – ultimately, I just would have liked to see maybe this movie get, like, like half an hour tacked onto it or just – maybe someone comes in to clean up the script. It just, it feels like we saw something that could have been really solid if it had more eyes on it. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it's a very okay movie. Um, it doesn't really mean <laughs> it's very to either side. <laughs> it is um, fine. So with that, with that, we'll move on to hidden life, uh, which opened, uh, actually expanded a little bit. It's still in a very limited release. So it's only playing in about 106, uh, theaters worldwide right now, but it played this weekend, um, earned a solid 250,000. And I'm not sure how much more it's going to expand because it is very niche and very artsy, uh, but it's off to a, a decent start for where it's at right now. Yeah. So I wanted to mention this movie because this is probably the best movie to either expand or get a wide release this weekend. I mean, it wasn't very hard when you consider its competition was Star Wars and Cats. <laughs> but The Hidden Life, um, was it was purchased by Fox Searchlight, which they have – they do a lot of come Oscar time. And I, I, I assume they thought this was going to do really well for that. And it doesn't quite seem like it's kind of getting the, the that kind of Oscar buzz that I was hoping for there. So I don't think it's going to – reach out and go maybe go wide at some point like they would have hoped um but it is it is a really thoughtful just i want to say sweet but it's just really emotionally involved movie from terrence malick so if you've ever seen a terrence malick movie uh, badlands tree of life or uh, the 
the thin red line. Um, he just, he's a very meditative filmmaker and this movie is three hours long. Uh, so that's really tough. And it's a lot of people whispering and, uh, writing letters to each other. And there's a lot of voiceover as the camera just kind of lingers on like a tree or something like that. It's, it's, there's a lot of thoughtfulness going on here. Um, I would just say people to seek it out. I think it's a really beautiful movie. It doesn't quite always work. And I think Terrence Malick has done much better things in his career, but I think this movie gets out a lot of really good ideas about pacifism. And it's a really good, um, I would really, I would compare it to Martin Scorsese's silence. Uh, they share a lot of, uh, things in common there, but it's really terrific. Um, it's one I would wholly recommend. Maybe if you can't see it in theaters, definitely seek it out at some point. Cause it's, it's not going to expand. I don't think it, like you mentioned before, I don't think it's going to expand very large. And I don't think a lot of people will have the chance to see it in theaters, but I would say seek it out at some point. Cause I think you will be very rewarded by it. Yeah. And so that um, pretty much wraps up this weekend at the box office. And next weekend, we've got uh, some of my most anticipated movies for the year. We've got uh, Uncut Gems uh, with yes. its wide release. <laughs> Little Women also with a wide release. Uh, with yes. Those two. <laughs> Those two are probably going to end up in my top 10 list. Um, and then we've also got Spies in Disguise opening up on Christmas Day, as well as 1917 with its Christmas Day preview before it goes wide in January. So it's it's going to be a pretty exciting week. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge fan of 1917, but I think that movie's going to strike a chord with a lot of people. Um, I would just say go see Uncut Gems and Little Women because those movies were will definitely be, my, be on my top 10 of the year. I can say right now they're unless something crazy happens and I see like 10 great movies in the next like two days, like they're going to be there. Um, so yeah, definitely seek those out cause they're really fun in their own rights. Um, yeah, it's December. It's going to be, the Christmas is going to be really cool. There's, there's a lot of really interesting movies. Even spies in disguise looks kind of weird and fun, which I'm here for. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure on that one, but the other two, <laughs> the other two, I'm, I'm all here <laughs> it for. It just looks so stupid. It looks so stupid that I'm kind of like, whatever, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, Ben, ben sure. Wilson is in it, so I'll probably jump on board for that. But Yeah, well, Will Smith is a bird, sure. Like, whatever. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah, so, so with that, uh, feel free to check us out online at moviebiblereviews.com. We'll be here uh, next week talking about Uncut Gems, Spies in Disguise, and Little Women. Yeah.